You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here today on the Locked On Nationals podcast. Today is November 16th. 2021, and on today's show, we'll discuss some of the latest news in free agency and also take a look at some Nationals players with some exit interviews. Talk about Ryan Harper, Sam Clay, and also Andres Machado and their prospects about being with the Nationals long term, you know, past this past season. So, all that coming up on today's show. Okay, so news to tackle here on the latest Locked On Nationals podcast. It's not necessarily uh, directly related to the Nationals, but there are some obvious ties here. Noah Syndergaard is going to sign a one-year, $21 million deal with the Los Angeles Angels. And so, you know, first thing, I might have been I might have been wrong about how fast some of these markets are developing. Sure, we saw the news that guys like Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon might go ahead and sign a bit earlier than we expected before the freeze happens on December 1. Um, I, you know, we're seeing that news. I'm still skeptical about that. But I thought even more guys outside of that would not be signing. Um, the one-year deals, sure, maybe we'd see those guys sign, right? That money is not going to be too effective. But I just thought with the potential for the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, for the, you know, the luxury tax line to be moving, I-, I thought guys would be afraid or teams would be afraid to take on massive deals, bigger contracts, even if they were for shorter periods of time. So that uh, appears not to be true, at least in this case for the Los Angeles Angels. Um, this was surprising because think about how the Mets are really struggling to find a lot of pitching, right? You think about the Mets right now. They're, you know, they've got a situation where Jacob Degrom is coming back from an injury, so they're going to see where that happens. Marcus Stroman, who was their second best arm, uh, who was the best arm all year long, but technically speaking, let's just call him, you know, the the Mets' second best arm. Uh, he is a free agent, so they've got no idea where he is going to go. They've got Carlos Carrasco there. Trevor Williams, they traded for. Joey Lucchese is there. Taiwan Walker. So the Mets rotation is looking really thin, and they're going to have to make some moves to bring some guys in. And you think about the fact that Robinson Cano now is coming back, and Robinson Cano is going to be, uh, you know, guys going to cost them a fair amount of money moving forward this season. So, um, you know, that, that kind of is going to make them make things a bit more difficult for them money-wise to sign some bigger guys. But with Noah Syndergaard out, you know, now it kind of changes the calculus for them. They have to be more aggressive, in my opinion, in the pitcher's market because they're going to lose Noah Syndergaard. And uh, for them, once again, it's another difficult situation for them because that's a guy that I think Mets fans and the Mets front office really thought they were going to get back for 2021 or for the 2022 season, rather. They really... I thought had the belief that they were going to see Noah Syndergaard back in a Mets uniform. Obviously, he's had the injuries and wasn't really able to pitch much, but it's a guy who's pitched the highest level, right? He was a part of that World Series team. You know, 3.24 ERA that season. Followed that up next year in 2016 with 30 starts and a uh, you know an ERA 
that was, you know, a really respectable, better, better season. The first one, 2.6. Then he, you know, had some injury issues in 17, came back in 18 to 303. And then in 19, a 4.28. So the guy's had a lot of success. The big question for him is, where is he injury-wise? Where is he going to be? But, you know, it's a one-year deal. And so um, the Angels are really taking a chance. Now, the one thought I had is that for Noah, good for him getting paid. But I think there's a real situation where, where Noah doesn't really look like the Noah that we know until much later on. You know, it's going to take him some time to get his sea legs back under him. He really only pitched... Uh, two outings, and he pitched a total um, in that time. This year, he t- pitched a total of two innings, right? Made two starts, just one inning. The Mets were very careful with him. Didn't pitch particularly well. But, yeah, Noah Syndergaard's a guy that, you know, uh, at 29 years old is a risk. But there's there's a lot of upside there for the Angels. Um, for the Mets, you know, for the Mets kind of moving forward, that, that keeps them more aggressive. But I think it just puts them in, in, a, in a worse spot. Angels trying to win now with the Mets. You know, that's kind of where the bottom line is, as it considered for the Nationals. This is going to be a difficult situation for them to manage. Not sure where they go with it. The next piece of news, we got to mention this also Mets-related, is the Mets now have a new GM, Billy Epler, who used to be, ironically, the Angels' GM. So there is a new face kind of calling the shots um, from that position. And this, I think that here's the big problem for the Mets. This GM search, this manager search has been very messy. It has not been clean, and I think that's going to turn off free agents, and I think that could be to the Nationals' advantage. Now, the Nats necessarily aren't going to capitalize on this in the coming season. We know the Nationals are probably going to take a step, going to continue the step back they're taking into the next season. That's where we see them going. But I do think it's worth noting that with Billy Epler coming in, I know that uh, Mets fans want them to be aggressive, but, you know, how aggressive can they be when there's no manager appointed, when the GM just got there? There's a whole lot going on right now, a whole lot of moving parts happening. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really curious to see how it's going to affect them and how that affects what happened to the National League East. And why it could be important for the Nationals is, is this division going to be much more gettable down the line? The Braves are going to be good again. If they are smart, they will bring back Freddie Freeman. They will try to retain some of this core, and they're going to get back Ronald Acuna Jr., and they're going to get back Mike Soroka. So there's no there's no reason they can't win the division a fifth consecutive time. We know this for a fact. If you're in the dance, you can win it all. Just got to make the playoffs. They'll be the favorites to win the division next year. And obviously, they were knocking on the door of potentially going to a World Series, and they won one this year. So that makes them, obviously, the kingpins. We know the Phillies want to rearrange some things, uh, there obviously they've got Bryce Harper and they've got J2 Real Muto and you've got Zach Wheeler. So when you've got guys like that, you're going to be in a position to win games and a division that pretty much lacks a lot of depth. They look at like the clear number two right now if they can get their things together because the Mets, you know, with the, with the possibility of Stroman leaving and having Degrom there, who's not always the best at staying healthy, that pitching is in disarray. They're going to lose Mayo Conforto. What's the lineup going to look like? Will they be consistent? There's too many question marks, I think, for the Mets right now. And there's too many hypothetical. You know, Javi Baez, will he come back? There's too many hypotheticals for me to say clearly that the Mets are going to finish ahead of the Phillies next season. And then you got the Marlins, who are building up a lot of young talent and could be in a position to make some moves, but they're kind of in the same place the Nats are right now, trying to figure out who that young core is going to be, who are going to be the star players, who are the guys going to be that are going to get paid. So 
that Mets, I know it's not you know, directly Nationals, but that Mets stuff is worth mentioning for the future of the National League East. All right, let's take a break real quickly right here, and we get back a couple pitching uh, news items to get to from around the league. Two guys that are now off the market. One potentially would hit the market later on, Jose Barrios, and one, Eduardo Rodriguez, who is now for sure off the market. But first, word from our sponsors here. Today's show was brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Bunch of great odds, scores, news, contests, everything you could want. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey. You can still bet on who's going to be the National League MVP right now. If you want to put some action on Mr. Juan Soto, you can go do that right now. BetOnline.ag. They've got you covered. Use the promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Locked On. You'll receive a 50% deposit bonus today. It's BetOnline. It's where the game starts. All right, a couple more pieces of free agency news before we get to some national stuff. Jose Barrios has signed an extension with the Toronto Blue Jays. Now, if you remember, Barrios was traded by the Twins there this off, or during the season. Excuse me. He's going to receive a $131 million seven-year extension. Um, now, he was going to become a free agent in 2022, um, and that was going to be his final, his final trip to arbitration come up in 2022, and they've decided to lock him up. This will take him through 2028, and that is when he'll be 34. So signing this extension right now at the age of 27. So significant news right there. They're trying to build up that rotation. Not really relevant for the Nats, but there's an arm that maybe if Nats fans were eyeing offseason, the Nats were in the position to start making some more moves. Maybe they were eyeing that there, but not possible right now. Somebody that felt a bit more possible for the Nationals potentially not really too too possible, but not impossible, was Eduardo Rodriguez. And he is going to sign with the Detroit Tigers. Everything I'm reading here is coming from uh, MLB trade rumors, but obviously this stuff is being reported individually elsewhere. Um, they've made the offer to him. It's going to become, it's a uh, $77 million contract. It's a five-year contract for Rodriguez. Uh, and it could be worth to up to... Uh, $80 million with incentives. So this is an interesting move. I didn't think he would get this much. I think it's a bit more of a risk right there. But obviously, you pull a guy out of that ballpark and things can probably, probably a little bit better, better for him. And also, I, I love the fact, I love the Tigers are doing. I, if you guys listen to this show, I've said a lot of things about the Nash, the American League Central, where I believe that division is not for the taking, but it's really up for grabs for a second team to come in and say, hey, White Sox, we're right here, right? The Twins, it was that team that windows kind of closed. The Royals are trying to build towards that, but I still think they're a year or two away, and I think they might actually fight with the Tigers for that second spot. The Indians, excuse me, the Guardians now, they are in a position where maybe they could take some adjustments, but they don't always seem keen, especially right now, on trying to build a, a division contender um, so I think this might be the Tigers' time to kind of surge up and get themselves in a position where they can kind of um, get in the mix in that division. So I think it's an interesting move. I think it's a smart move for the Tigers to make uh, getting a pitcher like Eduardo Rodriguez. So there you go. There's kind of your latest updates. We'll obviously have more as that happens. All right, one more quick break. We're going to get to some Nationals exit interviews to finish up today's show. 
All right, we're going to continue to do more of these exit interviews. We're going to look at more of the bullpen today and from this season, whether these guys will be back. Let's start with Sam Clay, who won the season 45 innings pitched, a 5.63 ERA, a 5.60 rather, ERA, and that was in 58 appearances. So this is one position of need for the Nationals this season in the major leagues. It's it's going to be a left-hand, well, obviously the major leagues, but they're going to need a left-handed reliever. And are they going to have to go and get it, um, you know, elsewhere? Because Sam Clay for them had some good moments, but then things really kind of got away from him, in my opinion, as the year went on. It was pretty clear Sam Clay was not the premier left-hander. That they, were, and they didn't even need premier, but they just needed to be like, you know, uh, somewhat serviceable left-hander that they thought he could be. Had a really good month of April, or had a decent month of April, had a really awesome month of May, um, 1.23 ERA in the seven and a third innings that he pitched in the uh, in the appearances that he made. 6.3 in June, July 9.6, August 5.4, September 5.4. So it was pretty clear it was heading in a direction where he was not going to be the guy for them in terms of lefties. And they're going to have to either hit the market or maybe call somebody up Um you know, to, to see if they can fill out that that role. And look, early on, yeah, I think people were happy with his performance, but it was it was early on, and he wasn't always in the highest leverage situations. And so now the Nationals have to look, um, you know, down the line and see if they can get somebody. I mean, maybe they've got guys like a Tim, uh, you know, a Tim Cater, a Matt Cronin they could bring up, uh, you know, but I don't think those guys are as close as they'd like to, to being able to go to the major leagues. Now, one guy who could be, and we mentioned him a lot, is Seth Romero. Could it be Seth Romero's time to be moved up into the bullpen in a in that kind of left-hander's capacity? Obviously, they'll have to bring in somebody else to be a kind of um, a buffer, if you will, or, or somebody else to kind of bring in just in case. Obviously, you want more than one lefty in that pen. But I think, I think with the way that Sam Clay performed, we're not going to see him back next year. And I think it's time for a guy like Seth Romero to come up and they'll start him in the pen and they'll kind of see where things can go. Obviously, we know he's got starter stuff, but I think the Nationals need in kind of long-term situation might dictate that he is a relief arm for them going into next season. I would not be shocked at all if we saw that. The next guy we should mention is Ryan Harper. And so Ryan Harper feels like he has a role with this bullpen moving forward. Um, he had a really strong season, 34 appearances, 4.04 ERA, 35.2 innings pitch. This is a guy that for them, you know, threw in some spots where, hey, it was an inning, uh, you know, a little bit more, in, you know, a little more than an inning. Sometimes it was just an inning itself. And so I've got some, you know, questions, even one batter sometimes at the end of the inning. So I've got some questions about what role they want to use him in, but his effectiveness could not be denied. And also, that curveball uses. That curveball was a really strong pitch for him all season long. So I think when you look at those factors and how they brought him up and kind of how he did, I think there's a really strong case for bringing him back and bringing him as a guy that's not going to cost you very much money and somebody that can be effective as he moves forward. Now, obviously, you know, at 32, he's a little bit longer in the tooth, if you will, but. Uh, somebody that for the Nationals, there's no denying that he was effective at points last season. Did have his struggles, but I felt like for the most part, Ryan Harper was a guy that they brought in certain spots, and he did 
he did, you know, get the job done. And for him, he had that really kind of – the start of the season for him was really strong. I mean, his first, I would say, roughly 20 – roughly 20 appearances were really good. Um, did have a, a bit of a bump year, August, 4.09 year race, so not too bad. The September was not good for him, uh, 12.79 ERA and 6.1 and 6 and a third innings pitch. So that's where things got a bit dicier for Ryan Harper, but I still think it's somebody who's got a spot in this bullpen. And you, know, you see some of his appearances, they do have a full inning or two innings in there, but also there's a whole lot of a third of innings, right? This is a guy that came in and to, to kind of end innings off, to, to get themselves in positions. You know, they just had one more guy to face. They had to get out of something. He would come in in those spots. So – I do think with that in mind, there is an effective role for him in this Nationals bullpen moving forward in a way that I'm not sure there is one for a guy like a Sam Clay as the Nats move forward. The last guy we're going to touch on is Andres Machado. Now, Andres Machado, you know, as a guy who's a right-handed pitcher, came in for them, spent some time with the Royals organization, and now made it to D.C. You know, last time he was in the majors was 2017. Then in 2020, he made 40 appearances the Nationals, and honestly, you know, all in all, had a really nice season, a 3.53 ERA and 35 and two-thirds innings pitched. And so this is a guy who did have a pretty positive impact and did have two uh, solid months. I would say his best, you know, he came in, and that July was kind of rough for him, a 6.75, but that August was a strong uh, strong August for him. A 2.81 ERA in 16 innings pitched, was, which is a pretty good sample size, only 13 hits allowed, 12 Ks, so not a strong, not a high strikeout guy. But did a pretty good job limiting the walks. Uh, you know, five walks throughout only 16 innings of work, so did a good job limiting in that department. Um, but he had somebody who, you know, a 23 ground ball. It's a guy who did a good job of, of getting that ball uh, on the ground and, and in good situations for the Nationals' defense. So I think that's somebody that uh, just 28 years old they're going to take a look at. And a guy also that for them contractually is going to be in a good spot. He's going to be heading into his, um, you know, he's still ar- ar- in arbitration this year. So it's a guy that's still, they've got, they've got some time with, going to be 29 when the next season starts. So I think Machado is another option for them out of the bullpen. Not somebody they're going to re- rely on super heavily, but a guy that's there, it's an option, he's available. And the Nats would be, you know, as they try to build this bullpen, see what they've got. If they don't want to make too many acquisitions this offseason, Machado is a guy that they can bring back for a sixth inning, a seventh inning, or kind of a spot situation type guy as they kind of see what the deal is for them moving forward in the future with the bullpen. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. You can follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. So next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.